Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover or shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story, how they've gotten from point A to point B, and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to reiterate my main goal, which is to truly impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. There's three ways you can help with that. One, you can continue to keep listening to the Next Level Minds podcast. Two, if you get some value out of the show, you can share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague, and you can subscribe and review Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts. Now on to today's guest. I am sitting down with Dan Oki. He is the co-founder of Sensei, which is a financial wellness organization that teaches and helps individuals, couples, and families how to implement personal finance systems to make real financial progress and experience financial peace. His story has a lot of adversities in it though, as he was five figures in debt, continuing to rack up credit card debt, was just at rock bottom financially, and became obsessed with learning about personal finance and ultimately dug himself out of that hole and then built a successful business around this personal financial system. So if budgeting, saving money, growing financially is something that you are interested in or passionate about, then this episode is definitely for you. So let's go ahead and dive in and start chatting with Dan. Dan, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, hop on the Next Level Minds podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. Great to be here. Dude, it's been a hot minute since I've had a uh, another Charlotte uh, neighbor here on the show. It throws, throws it back to like the early Next Level Minds days before COVID when I used to have to do all these in person, but uh, I'm excited to have you on. Yeah, it's good to be here. I remember when you reached out, I was like, man, I'll come to the studio. You're like, actually, man, let's just do it over <laughs> Yeah, I had like a studio at a co-working space and uh, it was sweet, um, but I was like, you know, like it's really not worth paying monthly for all this if like now most of my guests are wanting to meet over Zoom and then, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to link up one of these, one of these days, brother, and just like hang out outside of the, outside of the show. Oh, totally. I'd love to do that. It'd be awesome. Um, cool, man. So I, I kind of want to start this out by, by touching on your background a little bit. I know you, uh, you went to BYU and graduated in, in 17. So did you grow up in the, in the Utah area? I, yeah, I spent about half my life there, and then another two years I spent in uh, Sydney, Australia, which mm. is where I started school as a boy. And, and my my dad was starting a branch of Franklin Covey out there, Seven Habits Highly Effective People. If you're familiar with that, yeah. And then um, uh, Dallas, Texas, for four years. So um, it was it was good to get out of, of Utah, which can sometimes be a bubble, and then go back. So I I enjoyed living outside of Utah and, and inside of Utah for different reasons. Dude, how, how is that with Sydney? I didn't know your dad was involved with uh, the seven habits and, and Stephen Covey. I'm sure you learned a lot through that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, it was kind of like some of the principles that he used to to yeah. teach us. I was like, I'm reading the book, you know, when I, when I left home, I was like, Hey, wait a second. Um, but 
yeah, it, you know, it was Sydney was was I, I did kindergarten or first grade there, so like early memories. Um, I wouldn't say like I'm from Australia ever because I'm not, <laughs> but um, it was it was like you know we left, we went across the world as a family and and did that, and that bonded us and, and helped us grow and helped us stretch, and it also helped me I think learn how to talk to people because I had to make mm-hmm. friends. Um, and leave everything I knew. Um, and then, you know, my dad being involved with Franklin Covey, he still, still is there. Uh, he actually, um, was, was Steven's assistant for oh, wow. the last couple of years. Of, so I helped set up meetings with like world leaders and the Dalai Lama, you know, things like that. So the seven habits was like a huge part of my life growing up. Um, still is. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't read the seven habits of highly effective people, I think it's a, a must read. I reread it like every five years. What's your favorite habit on there? I have it five. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. Um, that has solved so many issues in my life. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, like if you're going into like an argument or like disagreement or can you, can you kind of expand on that? Yeah, totally. So, you know, when, whenever somebody speaks to you or asks you a question or, or starts, starts expressing something to you, if you can, and you know, I'm not naturally perfect at this. I'm still learn, working on it. But if you can take a step back and like stop trying to solve it or stop trying to think about what your response is, but just really try to focus on what is this person saying to me? Mm. And then say it back and say, you know, express the feelings the way you've heard it and, and make sure that they feel understood, that you have understood what they were trying to communicate to you. It opens them up to your influence. Mm. So I, with my kids, with when a two-year-old is, or a four-year-old is having a tantrum, sometimes I found not even giving them an answer, but just making sure I understand what they're trying to tell me solves the problem. Uh, with my wife, with clients, with difficult business situations, um, whatever that may be, if you will seek first to understand and make sure the other person feels understood. And they will be more open to what you have to say and you'll reach solutions quickly. Yeah, man. I love that because I think a lot of times people get upset um, or just kind of argumentative because they think that you don't understand what they're trying to say. And if you can kind of do what you just mentioned, I think that can mitigate a lot of uh, potential negative situations there. 100%. I think listening, true listening is a superpower. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny with like the podcast, like the first 10 episodes, like, cause I, cause I like talking too. Right. But like, I was always like buttoned in a little bit. I'm like, wait, 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 the secret of doing this is just like listening to what the guest has to say. Absolutely. But what you have to say is important too. I hope you, I hope you talk. Sure. <laughs> um, have you read, uh, crucial conversations? I, I have not read crucial conversations. Tell me about it. Okay. It, it's some similar things. It basically dives like super deep into, when you're going in a conversation with somebody or a disagreement or any type of kind of relational scenario, like basically understand what the other person's like desires, wants, needs, all that stuff are um, so that you can kind of frame your conversation to kind of best suit them and kind of create more of a win-win situation. Just like instead of me, 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 it's like us, us, us type of thing. I, that sounds like the essence of habit five. So it sounds like I need to read it. Yeah. It's like a big book on habit five over there. <laughs> um, cool, man. So how was the time at uh, BYU? BYU was great. I actually did. So many people don't know this, but there's actually three different universities that have BYU in them. And so there's BYU Provo. That's the main one. That's what the one that has collegiate level sports. Then there's a, a location in Rexburg, Idaho, BYU, Idaho. Then there's a, a location in Hawaii. 
at BYU-Hawaii, and a lot of the students at BYU-Hawaii um, are the workers at the Polynesian Cultural Center, if you've ever been to that. To that. So I, uh, in high school, I got into BYU-Provo in Utah out of school, but I, because we lived 20 minutes away, I, I wanted to go further. I wanted to get away. And so I actually went to BYU-Idaho for my undergraduate, which was a really good experience for me. Um, and then I went on a two-year volunteer mission to, to Germany and then uh, did another year at BYU-Idaho and then and then transferred down to BYU-Provo and did the business program there. Nice. So you did Germany and like you've been to Sydney, Australia and Germany and all that as well? Yeah, I lived in Germany and- for, for two years and then did an internship with Franklin Covey uh, after, after my volunteer experience there for like five months. Nice. That's awesome. How'd you like being in Germany? It was amazing. Um, I mean, it opened my eyes to a, to a whole new world. Um, I, I met my wife on the last day of my volunteer mission in Germany. So it was the first day of her volunteer mission. The last day of mine, I met her at the train station. We were, I was leaving, she was coming. Um, and, uh, I tried, you know, tried to stay in touch with Wait, her. Wait, I think you oh. shared a LinkedIn post about that. Not yeah. Ago. Yeah. Cause I remember reading about the train and be like, that's, can you expand on that a little bit more? I think it's cool. Sure. Sorry. I'm all over the place here. You're good. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm on a volunteer mission for my church, like a service mission. We help, help teach people about God and try to do good things and help people move and all that stuff. Um, and so it's the last day I'm getting ready to come home and see my family and we're at the train station, all the, these missionaries are all together and she was coming and I was going and she was introduced to me because she was going to the, to the city that I was leaving. And so I got to chat with her for two minutes and I just was like, I don't know who you are, but you're amazing. (laughs) Uh, she did not have that thought about me. Um, and so I went home, she did her mission. And, you know, when you're doing a volunteer mission, you're not really thinking any romantic, you're not looking for like a partner or dating, anything like that. So I tried writing her a couple emails. Um, that's typically the form of communication. She didn't really want anything to do with me. Um, but we knew a lot of the same people because we served in a lot of the same areas. Mm. And so when she, uh, when she got back from mission 18 months later, she would not accept my Facebook friend request. And, uh, yeah, man, it was brutal. And she uh, started dating someone else. And, um, you know, it wasn't, she, we ended up, she ended up breaking it off with that person and was going through some of her, her stuff and ex- from her experience and that and found one of the letters I had tried to write her. And it just like had said, I wasn't talking about anything romantically, but was just talking about the work, you know, the work and just like some difficulties I'd experienced and just sharing some, some advice and it was just what she kind of needed to hear mm. at that time of the the breakup. And so she didn't know if at that point, if I was married or even knew who she was, I definitely knew who she was, but she uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, thanks for this letter you wrote two years ago. And I said, no problem. You want to talk sometime? She was like, sure. And nine months later we were married. <laughs> yeah. Now you're we want three, three kids, right? Three kids and business owners together. And yeah, I'd say it's going all right. Yeah. No, I mean the, the rest is history from there. Um, can you talk about so twenty thousand dollars in debt was is in your bio, right? I'm not I'm not just yeah. pulling that out of nowhere, but uh, twenty thousand dollars in debt, and then you were getting married in in three weeks, right? So like, can you kind of explain this segment? Because now you run this like awesome personal finance company that helps people out, and so I feel like there's a lot of learning lessons that you kind of experienced during that time. Yeah, so you know this is great. I'm you know talking to this girl. I'm at a train station. We're we're dating. We're gonna get, we're gonna get married. Sorry, 
we're going to get married. And, um, the, she, she didn't know I was living a kind of a, a financial lie at that point. I was running a different company, um, a digital marketing company, and I thought I was a big shot. And so I was spending money faster than I was making it. I was spending money I didn't have. And I went from being on track to graduate debt-free to being 20 grand in debt for pretty stupid reasons, basically because I was blowing money. And um, she had no idea. She had no idea until she asked me three weeks before our wedding. She was, mm. We were sitting on a couch and she, you know, at one of our apartments, she's like, hey, uh, how much, how much, do you have any debt? I was like, yeah. She's like, how much? I was like, I have no idea. She's like, go get a pen and paper. You know, she grew up daughter of an accountant listening yeah. to Dave Ramsey, you know, and she's like, how much debt do you have? What am I signing up for? And uh, I found out on that couch that I was 20 grand in debt. The the main problem was is she didn't know is that how fast I'd accumulated that twenty thousand dollars of debt and also that if I continued doing what I was doing, we would it would we I was going to double that in the next six months. Um, I just my mindset was I'm going to invest in real estate. The business is going to eventually take off. I don't need to worry about managing my money. I don't need to think about it. And so uh, that caused we we got married and you know. Three weeks later, my wife says, we need a budget. And I go, what the heck does that mean? And it caused a lot of problems uh, right off the bat. So what did you do? Well, first off, what were you buying that got you that much in debt? I mean, you said some stupid purchases, but real estate's not really a dumb purchase. I, I That's the problem. I didn't buy real estate. <laughs> if, I'd, if I'd bought real estate with debt, that would have been probably a wise thing. But that's not what I was doing. I was, I was eating out. I, I was... I would go out with friends and I would, you know, I, I tried to impress people. Um, I would, you know, tip hundreds of dollars. I would, I wanted people to think that I had made it even though I hadn't. And um, it, it, it really came down to me just wanting to look good in front of other people. Like spending all the time trying to look wealthy rather than actually trying to be wealthy. It, that's exactly what I was doing. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. So she says, Hey, we got to make this budget. You're like, what in the world is this? Um, what was kind of that process like? And then how did your mindset shift into a bit more where it is now? Because I know you guys help individuals, couples, families implementing, you know, personal financial systems, but you know, you kind of had to implement one yourself first. Yeah. Well, the short answer is we didn't. <laughs> we just fought about money for like three months. Mm-hmm. Um, and it got so bad that it was kind of like, is the marriage going to make it? Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that sounds probably dramatic, but like we could not, like I was not willing to to change. And, you know, if you're in my wife's position, when your husband is, is or your partner is running you into the ground financially in your first six months of marriage, that's tough. And that's what I was doing. So, um, and I didn't, I couldn't see it. Well, after one particular pain, painful argument, I walked out, slammed the door and I went on a walk and I realized, look, if, is my financial mindset and beliefs worth more than my marriage? Like, do I care more about being right financially and what I think is right than I care about her? And the answer was, if I really thought about it, no, no, I want her, I want her to be happy. I want to be with her. I'm willing to to sacrifice and change 
but I didn't, but I didn't know how I didn't know what to do. So, um, we went on a, we went to a friend's wedding in California. I don't remember how we paid for that, but probably put it on a credit card. Um, and we, we were at this wedding and one of the parents of the, of the families we were staying with was just very successful. They were happy. They were wealthy. And we looked at them and said, we want to be you in 30 years. Like, this is what we want. We both want this, but we just don't know how to get it. We don't know how to get there. And, you know, it's even what, before I got married, it's what I wanted. I just didn't know what, nobody was there to show me the steps or what to do. I was just doing stuff. And so they said, you know, what, what do you need to do? And what do we need to do? And they said, first off, recognize that just because you're an adult doesn't mean you know how to manage money. Like we expect, we expect, we grow up and we just expect that we should know the right thing to do with money. We don't, we, we have no, we have to learn. We've had to learn everything in our lives up to this point. It makes sense that we'd have to learn how to make money. So getting someone to teach you and show you and learn from makes a lot of sense because you don't just know intrinsically what to do with finances. And if you expect yourself to, you're just going to be frustrated and make mistakes. Um, and so that was the one thing they said to us that really stuck with me. The second thing they said is, is get a third party, get someone who's not you if you're an individual or or you and your partner and, and get someone to come in and like that that it's not your way or your partner's way, but y'all's way, you know, something you can share. And, um, or, or, you know, if you're an individual listening to this, you know, something you can share when you do find that partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we said, okay, well, where do we start? And they said, look, the basics Everyone has different opinions on this, but but start with Dave Ramsey. Just just start there. And I didn't want to read Dave Ramsey because I was like, the, I don't, what is he talking about? Like death, that's yeah, the way of life, man. You're Mr. Credit Card over here, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. I'm like, he's just gonna tell me stuff I don't want to do. Right. Um, but I I I genuinely wanted my marriage to win. So I um we downloaded the book and we listened to it on the way home from that that wedding. And I said, look, you know, everybody's always talked about budgeting and paying off debt and consumer debt, right. And, um, an emergency fund. And I haven't done the basics yet. I have not done the things that everybody says to two that I've been hearing my whole life. So why don't I give this a shot? Why don't I just try? And, um, we made a little plan on a napkin in the car ride home. We were like, if we stay at what we're doing, we'll, be debt-free in two years. Mm. That felt like an eternity, but we were, we're going to do it. And so we, we got to work and we start, we started to, to take on any work we could possibly find. Um, and we started to read every financial book we could get our hands on. And we ended up paying off all of our debt within six months. Wow. Wow. And it said, well, through the math, it was going to take two years. From our initial kind of projection, yeah. Wow, dude, that's amazing, man. Kudos to y'all for obviously doing that in, in a six-month time frame when it should have been two. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we were finishing our degrees. We were mm. we were trying to, you know, trying to figure it out. But it, yeah, we did it. So what, um, you know, what, what kind of steps did you take there? And, you know, what advice would you have maybe for some of the listeners that, that may be in some debt that, that they're not really uh, too appreciative of? Totally. Um, so, you know, I don't know what I would have said then, but what I would say, you know, now, and I'll tell you what we did then and what I would say now, um, 
because we've had 1400 people go through our program. So I've learned, I've learned a couple of things since then. Um, then what we did is we, we realized that the, the secret to get ahead isn't necessarily the size of your, your income or your expenses. It's the size of your cash flow, the uncommitted money that you, you can use to, to make progress. It was the answer the cash flow is king. And so, you know, at that point, luckily we didn't have kids yet. And so we, we just basically worked all the time. We took early morning custodial jobs and we would get up at 4 a.m. and we would go work and we would listen to audiobooks on money while we cleaned toilets. Wow. And then, no and then way. We would, yeah. Dude, and that is we, insane. Sorry, I didn't, I'm not trying to cut you off there. I'm no, just like yeah. trying to put myself in those shoes of like, especially to the listeners too. It's like, dude, um, like kind of everyone out there listening, it's it's the takes what it takes mentality, right? It's like, sure, you didn't want to go clean toilets, wake up at, you know, 3, 34 in the morning, but like you did what had to be done. I just wanted to pause right there to like, narrow down on that point. Cause I think a lot of people that are listening are in a situation where they don't want to be, but they haven't done whatever it takes to get out of that. You're, you're a hundred percent right. And you know, it was humbling. It sucked. Did I want to work for 13 bucks an hour cleaning toilets? Heck no. Yeah. <laughs> it was embarrassing. I didn't want anybody to see me. Like I was embarrassed by it, but you know, over the course of those, those, you know, six months we worked that job, we read, we listened to over 22 books on money and business and finance, and it gave us an education. We were paid to get a, a different kind of education that still serves us to, to today. And so from the, you know, we would clean toilets and then we like learned, we were learning these business principles. So we would, we'd go on Upwork and find copywriting clients and then go to the English department on campus and find English students and have them fulfill the copywriting jobs and take the difference. Uh, and like, we were just, we were doing like all sorts of stuff to just to just make extra cash. And so, um, were you working a full-time thing too during this? Or were I you wasn't. Just doing a, okay. No, gotcha. so I you're just doing a lot of like yeah. odd things to, okay, cool. Yeah. My wife took on like tutoring a kid in school, you know, like just all sorts of random stuff. Um, and it really unified us. So that's what we did then. Um, not everybody can do that, right? Like I've got three kids now. I under, I've, I've seen people near retirement. I've seen people, early professionals, like that's not, that's, you know, not all of us are able to go clean toilets at 3am. That's just not realistic for everybody. Yeah. You're cleaning your own kids toilet at 3am. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. But, but what I have seen is like, if you have credit card debt, if you have debt that you want to get rid of, it is an emergency. It's worth doing what's required and sacrificing for a time period. And it's often shorter than you think to get out of it because you can't comprehend the clarity and the peace that comes from not owing anybody any money in a non-business sense. I'm totally pro, you know, real estate and all that stuff. But like on the personal side, everybody, every book I've ever read talks about getting out of debt. And so many of us just ignore it or try to skip it. And it's, it's worth it. It's worth doing what it takes to get out of it because it frees up cash flow. It frees up mental space. It frees up weight. And it allows you to focus and go all in on the future and long-term asset acquisition and because you don't have to even think about debt anymore. And so when I realized that, it's, I just want to just sincerely say after 1,400 people and looking at 1,400 different households, different situations – it's worth doing whatever it takes that's honest and legal to get to get out of debt as soon as possible. 
you can't comprehend the other side of it. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, we were talking about uh, your mission earlier. I mean, uh, God mentions in the Bible and Proverbs, the bar- uh, borrower is slave to the lender, right? It You are. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you are. And, and um, you know, what, what we view our work is liberating the captive because so many of us are captive. We're just numb to it. It's just normal. It's part of life. And when you don't have, when you don't owe anybody any, any money besides, you know, asset debt that's making you money, it, life is different. You feel better. You feel more confident. You, you're able to, more opportunities come that you wouldn't be able to take advantage of normally. Yeah, too. I, I feel like when you were in that debt, and you were trying to, you know, flex on your friends and tip a hundred dollars and all that stuff. It's like, feel like you had like a sense of like, I'm not really enjoying this because I'm getting deeper and deeper in the hole. Right. Dude. Yeah. I mean, you, it may, it takes the joy out of everything. Like you yeah. go on a vacation and you know that when you come home, you're going to have to face the reality of these choices. Yeah. You, you go to the restaurant and you're like, this tastes delicious. This is awesome. I love being with friends, but like you come home and you're stressing because your credit card, you know, you're not going to be able to pay the credit card bill off yeah. at the end of the month. Yeah. It's like, it take it sucks the joy out of life. And so, you know, if you have that type of debt, sincerely, sincerely, the best thing you can do is just say enough and do be willing to take a time period and sacrifice to get out of it. Mm. What, um, what would you mention kind of from an advice standpoint, you know, right now in uh, what halfway or a little over halfway in 2023, now that we have maybe some more digital tools, let's say that somebody's looking at this and they're like, okay, like I'm going to get a second job or even a third job to try to get this, you know, 5k of credit card debt off. Like, do you have any kind of practical steps or advice there of some things that they could do? Yeah, totally. So oftentimes people, and, and the question basically is, if, you know, if I had to, if I had to pay off five Okay, of credit card debt today, what would I do? Yeah. Um, the the thing that I I where a lot of people where I see a lot of people get tempted to go is like I'm going to freelance or I'm going to start this other business, <laughs> or you know that now is not the time for that. Now is not the time. If you haven't made money, like if you have to like basically start a business to do make this money that you've never made money in doing that before, I don't recommend doing that because it it's it it takes often money to make that type of money and it's like. It's stressful and it's just, you need something that's like, if you do it, you're getting paid for sure. <laughs> um, and so um, the most common things that we see is, and this is a question to ask yourself, is if you had to make an extra thousand dollars next month, you had to, what would you do? And I asked that question first is because I don't know you and your situation, but you're going, there's typically you have skills or resources or connections that you're like, you know what? I would do this. That's what you should go do first. That's the first thing you should look into and go do. The second thing you should do is don't be afraid to do gig economy work. Um, people are like, you know, DoorDash and, and Uber and, you know, medical device drop-offs, things like that. There's, there's, um, it actually, you can actually make okay money doing it. And that extra 500 to $1,000 a month, like let's say you were able to pull that over the course of five months, boom, that 5k credit card debt's gone. That's worth doing for five months to be out of this for good. So, um, the, the, so just to summarize one, don't pursue a long-term business strategy to try to get Mm -hmm. out of your credit card debt Two, If you had to make a quick thousand bucks next, next month, what would you do? Make a list and then pursue those options. And then three, go do gig economy work. Um, get on Uber, get on Lyft, do DoorDash, 
um, you know, Instacart, whatever those may be and, and work <laughs> and pay off the credit card debt and be done with it. Yeah, man. I, I love that you mentioned all of those and especially just condense it down into three different things. I actually, so I was in between jobs from in 2018. So actually no, 2019, no, sorry. Wait, years are blending together. Anyway, like five years ago, I had like two months in between jobs, but like I wasn't at the point financially where I could just like have enough to keep going um, just because I had just graduated and I did Uber Eats in Charlotte for like a month and uh, actually made some decent money. And I literally got to know like the entire area because I was just driving around delivering food to people. And now I have like a whole arsenal of restaurants in my notes that I would have never even heard of, you know? Dude, that is a great, I may do that just so I can learn all the restaurants. <laughs> yeah, dude. Because <laughs> I gonna... love food. Yeah, That's like awesome. people are just ordering random stuff. Like I've never heard of this, but you know, it's going to take me here on the map and I'm like, oh, it looks pretty good. So um, That's awesome. Dude, what are your thoughts on this? So like you said to not really focus as much on like the income yet focus on like the cash flow. But I've also heard like some videos and read some books and I've even mentioned a couple of things like this to some people of like focus more on like gaining more skills to then increase your income so that you can pay off these expenses faster. Like what are your thoughts on like maybe skill set adjustments and trying to get more and more money quicker to pay it off outside of kind of the gig stuff, you know? Yeah. Great, great point. You know, I'm a big fan of Alex Formosi and that's basically what yes. he would say, right? It's like acquire skills, acquire so many skills that make so much money then then start worrying about <laughs> investing in that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, he has more money than me, so maybe you should listen to him. I, I totally think that it's awesome advice. I, in my view, I don't, I don't think that it's a question of if you should do that. It's a question of when. Mm. And from what I see is a lot of people like, I need to go acquire skills and I need to go build this business, but it becomes a distraction and it never actually turns into money. And I find that basically the best way to acquire skills over the long term is in a place where you can apply them to get the benefits from them over a long period of time because skill acquisition and implementation is a series of practicing and learning and experimenting. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it's just like get a skill all of a sudden it makes me money. I feel like it's like learn about this concept, try to practice it, struggle with it, fail. And it's really hard to do that successfully if you can hardly pay your bills or you're feeling stressed about money all the time. Mm -hmm. And so my my opinion is that advice is super sound and super solid, but I would still focus on short-term quick cash first to get myself to a position of stability where I don't have minimum payments and then I can take all that cash flow I was paying in debt payments, then invest that into skills and the leverage and compound effect of that will accelerate faster and I have a longer time frame to succeed in because I don't have to like stop to go make sure that I'm not feeling stressed out about my debt. Yeah, man, I, you hit the nail on the coffin there in my book because it's it's like, okay, still do the skill you know, assessments there and still get better and better so you can solve more and more problems, but it's a matter of when, right? And I agree with you. I don't think when you have you know X amount of credit card debt, I don't think that's the time to implement that. I think it's after it's paid off. I, I totally, yeah. And so if you listen closely to Hormozy and stuff like that and start to like sequence a series of ideas because we often get all this internet advice. It's impossible for us to do all of that at once. And so you have to, logically, you have to sequence it. The best thing you can do is get yourself to a position of financial stability. So the short term is covered, you feel good, and then like go all in on the future, go all in on acquiring assets and building, and you give yourself a long runway to actually win. Yep. I totally agree, man. So what's, um, let me flip this for a sec because this is next level mind. So I want to ask a mindset question. Um, you kind of outlined like a practical 
you know, go get this job in the gig economy to get at debt off as much as po- as fast as possible. But what would you say if somebody's like stressed out or just like not themselves and they have this debt? Like, do you have any kind of general maybe mindset tips that that you implemented just to kind of stress a, a bit less? Or is it just like you're a bit screwed? You're just gonna have to stress out for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be heartless either way, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, so, the, so the question is, I have this debt. I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I don't know where to go next. And I feel like I'm not going to be able to, I, I, the thought of going and getting a gig economy job is like overwhelming and like stresses me out. Yeah. And just like how to keep your mental health, like uh top of mind so that this debt doesn't like, you know, stress you out too much. And cause you still have to live life. You still have to show up to, to this job in a positive state. Right. But if you're bogged down by this debt and you're just negative thinking, like, I don't think you're going to perform as well as you could. I think I think you're 100 percent right. This is difficult because you've got an emotional and financial pit you're trying yes. to basically crawl out of. And so um my my thought process here is like, you know, health health is more important than money. Um and so if you're not exercising, if you're not, if you're not doing therapy and you're feeling like you've got some emotional you you need to work through some emotional things before you have the strength and energy to go take care of the financial dog on your back, then it's okay to focus on that first. Um, that those proceed health precedes financial. It does. Yeah. Yep. Um, the other thing I would say is often seeing that you'll get a win is energizing. So if you can bring yourself to like order your debts largest to smallest and focus on just getting the smallest one gone. And just see how you feel after getting that smallest one gone. Sometimes that is enough. Focus on the small ones, not the whole. You don't have to solve your whole financial debacle tomorrow. You often just typically need to take one step. Yep. And so um, most people have a zero to one mentality. It's I have to stop, take care of all my debt or I'm not going to take care of any of it. Mm-hmm. See if you can take care of like 1% of it and yeah. how you feel after that. And typically, sometimes that's enough to solve the burnout, the burnout issue. Yeah, no, that's cool, man. And I, I'll take that one more step further. I like to do like incentives for myself. So, you know, for example, in this debt situation, you know, if I pay off X, I will treat myself to, to a nicer lunch or something like that. Right. Cause I think that helps people out a good bit as well. And there's, and to your point, there's all things we tell ourselves we shouldn't do financially or we can't buy or things that we want and want to do. So yeah, go, Set that goal. You know, I hopefully that's not like buying a Rolls Royce or something. Yeah. But uh, if you're in credit card debt, things like that. But um, you know, don't go get, into more debt. To don't go into more debt. Right? Yeah, <laughs> don't treat yourself with more debt. Right. Um, yeah. Well said. What? Um. All right. So, what would you suggest? Like, from a, I want to flip gears to go from debt to maybe some more personal finance knowledge here. Um, where's kind of like a good, a good starter space, whether it's like books or podcasts, um, for maybe some young professionals out there who want to learn more. Yeah, I would read, um, Morgan Housel's psychology of money. Mm. Um, Ramit Sethi, I will teach you to be rich and, uh, Dave Ramsey, total money makeover. Nice. Not, nice. At, um, if you're starting, I am a big, I, I like the principles taught in rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki, but I've seen it get a lot of people in trouble. Cause it's, it's, it's something you need to think about after you have a solid foundation. Again, it's not this question of if you should do it, but it's a question of when, and to uh, most of our problems come from trying to do things before we've built a solid enough foundation to do them. 
Yeah, I totally agree, man. I I read um I've read a couple of those, but I've definitely read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and and I agree because he's talking a lot about real estate and cash flow, and you're like, oh, this makes so much sense, but like if you're in debt and you don't have the money yet, like it's, it's not the right time for you to go down that avenue. Yeah, and, and Kiyosaki also talks about paying off debt, which often people just glance right over. Yeah, uh, on the on the personal side, right? So, um, I'm not I'm not like Dave Ramsey where I say no to all debt whatsoever, but like. Really, I can't stress enough, don't skip getting out of debt and getting an emergency fund because it gives you the foundation to stand on to succeed when you go build, acquire assets. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So with what y'all are doing over at Sensei, do do y'all help clients? You mentioned 1,400 people you've worked with. Do y'all set them up with budgets or do you do something different? Yeah, so our program is called the Personal Finance Accelerator Program. It's basically what you do is you get a one-on-one coach who's going to sit down with you and basically implement a financial system and budget with you customized to your situation. Um, help you know exactly what to focus on next, what to tackle, how to structure it, you know, your unique circumstances. And then that coach is going to meet with you 12 times over the course of, of 24 months. And um, you get access to our whole suite of courses and content that you get to keep for life. And then a community of, you know, the hundreds of people who are going through the program as well. And we work together and celebrate each other on that front as well. Nice. So yes, yes, the answer to your question is we do that and more. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure you, they have access to like courses and, and one-on-one coaching and stuff like that. What's, um what's like two or three big problems that you're kind of seeing right now, maybe in 2023 with some customers? Yeah. So most of the time, there's there's just a lack of of willingness to commit to a goal, right? Mm-hmm. So like we we all feel like there's a lot of things we could do. We could go save up for that real estate property. We could put more money in savings. We could pay off that debt. And a huge problem with most of us is we haven't just like picked a destination and done it. <laughs> we're trying yeah. to like do all three of them at once. And I like to equate that like we're trying to go to three different like imagine trying to go to three different destinations at once. Like imagine trying, we're, we're in Charlotte, try to go to Raleigh, uh, Atlanta and, and Charleston all at the same time. <laughs> and like, it's really, that would be freaking hard, right? You'd be yeah. just going in a circle pretty much. And that's exactly what most people are doing with our finances. Mm. We like to, we like to pretend like we can, you know, put a little money towards this, put a little more towards that. But if you just like, let's just say you only have a thousand dollars extra a month. And you're trying to divide that between three different things. It's going to take you a long time to get any one of those things done. But if you just say, you know what, it's time to just pay this debt off, or it's time to just get that emergency fund done, or it's time to save up that down payment and get this real estate property and and go all in on it, actually drive to DC, then you're going to be way more likely to actually do it. So the, the, the first problem I'm seeing is just, look, if you want to get somewhere, you got to commit to the destination. And that means saying no to other destinations. You can't go to DC and Charleston at the same time. When I say it like that, it's like, yeah, duh. But yeah. we like to pretend like we can. In finances, if you want to get ahead fast, pick one and do it, mm-hmm. is, my, is my opinion. Um, second, the other thing I see is just the main problem is we don't know how to increase our income in in real practical ways. Most of the ways that are sold to us of how to increase our income are $20,000 coaching programs on YouTube. Um, And so, and so I'm not saying those things can't work, but they, they're hard to work. They're, they're hard to make work in most cases because they actually are require a ton of freaking work. So I found 
in my opinion, one of the ways that we found that helps clients actually make more money is relationship connections and and um, and then using your connections to know which skills to actually build. So let's say you're in a position where you're like, all right, Dan, I'm going to pay off my debt. That's the thing I want to get to, and I'm going to do everything I can to get there. But I also want my career to grow, and I know that over the long term, you know, I've got the short-term income in place. I know I'm going to be debt-free in the next six months. Cool. Well, what are, what's your, what are you currently interested in? You know, what's your current career? Find people who are five, 10 years ahead of you making more money than you and reach out to them on LinkedIn and ask to pick, ask if you can just say, look, I'm not selling anything. This is what I want to be doing. I think five to 10 years from now, I was wondering if I could interview you. I want to just talk to you and learn from you. Most of those people are going to, you know, some of them may ignore you. Some of them may say no, but a percentage of them are going to say yes and ask them how they got to where they're at. Ask them what skills they wish they had developed. Ask them what they wish they had done. And they will tell you, and then you have a clear path of knowing what skills are actually worth your time and money to pursue. And so the more people you can meet in that way, I, in my opinion, the better. I had a client that I introduced this concept to. He wanted to be in, uh, he wanted to, he was an accountant who wanted to be in the real estate industry. He he looked up on LinkedIn every person that had real estate investor in their title no and found way. people that looked legit um, and found a billionaire. And the billionaire at the end of the interview hired him, tripled his pay, and um, he now does mergers and acquisitions for them. And that <laughs> came from doing interviews like that. Now, that's like an awesome dream story, but like, look, there's people out there who want to help you, who want to take you under the ring. You just got to show some initiative and they need to know you exist. Dude, that's awesome, man. I, I mean, that's just a story for all the listeners out there to just like take some action and, and you'll never know where it'll lead. And and I uh, I just talked to the Clemson Business School about this last spring, but I was like, hey, like successful people like helping successful people. So don't be afraid to reach out to people that are two or three years out of school or even 10 years out of school because they were once in your shoes, right? Just graduated, didn't really know where to turn and, and look what they've done now. You nailed it. I think the more people that do that, the more people you can talk to who are ahead of you, the better you will be. Okay, yeah. Will. Dude, and that's like how I, um, I have a great mentor that I work with in Charlotte and it just kind of happened like naturally. Like I hit him up on LinkedIn. He started liking some of my posts. I started liking some of his one thing led to another. We had a phone call, we had a lunch. And now like, if I ever have a question or need just some insights and advice, like, Hey, he will talk to me and he's helped me level up. But I also tell people like, you got to kind of return the favor a little bit. So like I'll randomly hit him with just some ideas of mine that like I'm good at that maybe he needs some slight assistance with, right? I'm, I'm not going to tell him how to do something he already knows. But like in this case, I know social media a bit better than he does. So I'll be like, hey, just want to shoot you over some tips. So I always suggest like the whole give and take thing too, you know? That's cool. So you're actually reciprocating and, and providing value to him in this case. Yep, yep. And, and yeah. I try to just to like, not think like I'm taking all this time over a question or something like that. Um, and even if it's some, something slightly like small, like, Hey, uh, if you're making an Instagram story, cause he's also trying to grow his social, it's like, you know, you can hide hashtags in there too. Right. So people can see that, but, Oh, that's a cool concept. But for me, it took like five seconds to explain type of thing, you know? Totally. Yeah. And for him, it was groundbreaking. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and him telling me stuff for him, that's just conversations he's having all day, but I'm like, wait a second, this is going to alter everything. It's like, it's so funny how both of those things work, you know? Totally. Yeah. We think uh, we, there's so much we don't know. We don't know. Yes, dude, that is a hundred percent correct, man. So 
Um, I thought this was a really fun conversation. I'm into personal finance as well. So I was super excited to talk with you. Um, where can people learn more about you, about Sensei, especially if people want to get involved with what you guys are doing, helping, you know, 1400 people. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place you can go is our website, C-E-N-T-S-E-I financial.com. There's a free budgeting class on there where we kind of overview our system and what we actually teach. And if you're interested in what we've talked about today, that's a great starting point. Um, our goal is to get you a system and accelerate your ability to, to a point of financial stability so you can go build wealth and and do it in a way that actually feels peaceful and doesn't feel like you want to pull your eyeballs out. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. And uh, LinkedIn's a good spot to connect with you on a personal level. Absolutely. Find us. My, me and my wife are maybe too active on LinkedIn, but we love it. Dude, y'all both got some awesome posts. I, I comment on a few of them, um, which I know you've probably seen my name floating around there, but I'm like, oh man, this is really cool. I've saved a couple of them. Um, but the train one, that one, I definitely remember once you started telling that story. <laughs> well, thank you. It's because of your interaction on on my content that I was like, heck yeah, I'll come on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works. Oh yeah, it does. Man. LinkedIn, I, I could talk about that for a while. It's just like, you add people, you can comment on stuff, you can showcase thought leadership. And it's like, man, it's such a kind of underdeveloped tool that I think has so much potential. Totally. Get on LinkedIn if you're not already. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you being on the show and uh, look forward to obviously catching up in person in Charlotte in the near future. Looking forward to it, man. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Dan. Be sure to check out his company. Be sure to keep listening to the Next Level Minds podcast. And be sure to share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague. Other than that, I hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.